Good evening, everyone. This is Pastor Tony Collins from the House of Worship at Oak Ridge, Tennessee. And yes, we are excited and delighted that you once again have invited us into your home. We have an incredible finish to the, to the sermon that we started last week. We're talking about the genealogy of Christ. When you look at it, you're going to be surprised at who's in Christ's genealogy. That's a really great word for us tonight and really words of encouragement. So let's go in and listen to the message, and I'll be back in just a few moments. Look at, look at Deuteronomy 17, 17, it says, this is, this, is the, this is the law that God lays down about the king, and it says, he shall not multiply wives for himself, or else, have, or else his heart will turn away, nor shall he greatly increase silver and gold to himself. And then look at uh, 1 Kings 11, 1 through 3, it says, now King Solomon loved many foreign women, along with the daughter of Pharaoh. It says, a Moabite, cursed, an Ammonite, cursed, an Edomite, Sidonian, and Hittite women from the nations concerning which the Lord had said to the sons of Israel, you shall not associate with them. Not much less marry. You must not associate with them, nor shall they associate with you, for they will surely turn your heart away from, the, from after their gods. Solomon held fast to, to these in love. In other words, Solomon ignored the word of God, and he held fast to the women in love. He had 700 wives, princesses, and 300 concubines, and his wives turned his heart away. And in case you're trying to figure out what a concubine is relative to a wife, a concubine is a lover. Not a wife. Not someone that you said, I want her to be my wife. It's just one just kind of hanging around. Solomon is in the genealogy of Jesus Christ. The other issue here that's a, that's a problem is rarely do you, you see biblically in genealogies do you find women that are included in the genealogy. And here you have four. You have Tamar, you have uh, Rahab, you have Ruth and Bathsheba, and all of them are women that are on the edge at best and over the boat at worst. And the craziest part about it, I think, and all of that is also there are Gentiles. Wait a minute. Jesus' genealogy from a Jewish perspective is impure. It is not all Jews. There are Gentiles in it, for Rahab was a Gentile, and Ruth were a Gentile, and they were unwanted. They didn't fit in anywhere, and they were most certainly not accepted. Very disturbing, very disturbing. Does anybody else find that disturbing, or is it just me? I just find it very disturbing. Now, after I've gotten over my being disturbed, I had to ask the Holy Spirit, what? does this mean? What is God trying to say? What's the message that God is saying when even Jesus Christ himself, look at his genealogy, it's really all out of whack. And if any of us, and we probably do, have this type of genealogy in our background, we would not want to post it as chapter 1 
in any book that anybody would write about us. So this is what the Holy Spirit told me to tell you today. I asked him, Holy Spirit, why does he start with Adam? Why, why doesn't he start with Adam? Why does he start with Abraham? Holy Spirit says that we don't begin with God until we choose faith. Abraham is the father of faith. The reason that Matthew, the very first book in the New Testament, begins with this, and he begins with Abraham, is because the Holy Spirit wants you and I to know we don't even begin to have any significance for the kingdom of God until we begin with faith. Yes, 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 God is aware of you, God is concerned about you, no question about that. But in the name of Jesus Christ, we don't, we don't begin to have any significance in the kingdom of God. We don't begin to do anything that really is important to God until we begin with faith. And this place of faith, and not just faith, but trusting God, faith is just simply believing that something that is, is real, right? So I can say that I, that I have faith that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, enough faith to get me to go to heaven, but I don't trust God with my situation today, amen? And we look at these people, these are not people that only had faith in God, these were people who trusted God. They had developed an understanding of the character of God, of, of who he is, to the point their relationship was so strong that they could say, I know how God's going to respond in this situation. And if he doesn't respond the way that I think he's going to respond, I still know that's the best thing for me. Oh, can I get an amen today in the name of Jesus Christ? They had moved from just faith into a place of trust, and that's where Rahab was. Rahab, when she heard about what had happened in Egypt, and she saw these, the, the, the rumors about what had happened in Egypt, the rumors about the hand of God and the plagues that God had, how he had destroyed Egypt, the rumor about how God had delivered his people. They were slaves. They were poor. They had nothing. How he devastated the, the, the biggest, the baddest nation on the planet at the time and took all of the wealth and gave it to his people and brought them out of Egypt and parted the Red Sea. Y'all, I have been to the Red Sea, and I'm trying to tell you something. God parted that, and they walked over on dry land up. That is a significant thing that the whole world heard about. And Rahab, even though she was a harlot, even she had grown up worshiping other gods, even though she had grown up going her own way and doing her own thing, when she heard the rumor about the power of God, she made a choice to trust in him in spite of all the things around her that said there's no way that could ever happen, she, she chose to trust in him versus what her eyes saw, what her ears heard, and what her flesh felt. It's the same thing with David. David had been anointed but not yet appointed, and Saul ran him out of town, and he was here and he was there and he was at, at, at the springs if you will and 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 Saul came running after him and ended up in the cave where David was and and David while he could take his destiny in his own hands he trusted God more than he trusted his own thought process in the name of Jesus Christ and so that is the type of faith that God says will remove the stain of sin from our lives huh how else can a Gentile prostitute end up in the genealogy of Jesus Christ? How can she end up in the, in, the, in, the, in the faith hall of fame if not by faith and trusting in Jesus Christ? And the Holy Spirit wanted me to tell you today, imagine, close your eyes just for a second. Close your eyes just for a moment. Imagine if you can a white T-shirt or a white dress 
and we have taken it outside and we have thrown it into the pit with all the pigs. And it's been there all day and the pigs have walked over. The pigs, the pigs have, have done whatever pigs do in their, in their pen, if you will, in the name of Christ Jesus. And you now at the end of the day go out and bring that, get that dress, that white dress, or get that white t-shirt. It's useless. You can open your eyes now. It's useless in the name of Jesus Christ. He says, that's who we were without faith. All of your righteousness, all of my righteousness, all of our righteousness as a, as a filthy rag without faith, without trust in Jesus Christ. And when we put our trust in him, he washes that dress. He washes that T-shirt. He washes our souls in the blood of Jesus Christ. Hello, this is Pastor Tony Collins. I'm a senior pastor of the House of Worship in Oak Ridge, Tennessee. And I want to tell you a story. Um, a few years ago, about eight or nine years ago, actually, um, we helped plant a church uh, in Mexico in the Playa del Carmen area. And while we were down there, we were confronted, if you will, by the, um, the truth, the reality uh, of homeless children. Just, just a few points of fact, if you will, in regards to uh, street children, to homeless children um, in this area. First of all, uh, these children are at a higher risk of danger uh, than, than anyone else. They go through uh, severe hunger, they go through depression, and in many cases, uh, most cases I would say, that the food that they have is waste food, which is a bad source of nutrition, which leads to malnutrition, and, and sometimes it can even lead to death. These are children that are on the street that are dealing with all the issues that are on the street. They're dealing with criminals, they're dealing with violence, they're dealing with, uh, with, with drugs. And so our, our desire, our call, if you will, uh, for this community is uh, to build a home for the homeless, to build a home for, for homeless children. And, and there, is, there is no home. There is no home for homeless children um, in, in, in this area. And so really what we need now is we need the resources. We need the funds to be able to do that. And we're estimating that um, it's going to cost about $250,000 to buy the property and to build um, this, this facility. And so if, if you won't give, who's going to give? If you won't help us, who's going to help us? Whatever it is that you give, that God tells you to give, I pray in the name of Jesus Christ, by his power and his authority, that a hundred times what you give will come back to you. So thank you in advance for your gift. We praise God for you, and we praise God for the vision. We praise God for the mission that he's given us to be able to touch the lives in Mexico of the lives of homeless children. Uh, bless you. Praise God for you, and we give him all the glory in advance. Amen. We go from being thrown out to being a prized possession, and that's what happened to Ruth and to David and to all of these. He wants us to know when we, when we look at this in the name of Jesus Christ that the, that the faith is spiritual oxyclean. You know you see those commercials, right? They got the craziest thing. It's just all messed up. They, they put everything on it, man. They put everything they can put on it, man. Oxyclean will do it. Whoop, throw it in the dish, throw it in the washer, bring it out. Ta-da! There it is. That's us. We're dirty. We're filthy without Jesus Christ. And by faith in Jesus Christ, he takes us and throws the Holy Spirit and throws us in the Holy Spirit spin cycle. And we come out. Ta-da! Ready to be used by the King of God and by the King of all kings. Jeremiah 2 and 22 says this. Though you Though you wash yourself 
with lye and use much soap, the stain of your iniquity is before me, declares the Lord God. I can't clean it, man. I can't clean it. I can't get it clean. I, I don't have the tools necessary to, to clean the, the sin-sick stain off of my soul. We don't have it, y'all. We don't. We, I can't do it. I can. I can come to church. I can read the Bible. I. I can. I can give money. I, I can work in service. I can. I can sing in the Wishman Praise Team. I. I can usher till my till my feet bleed. I, all of that. None of it matters. It still lies before Him. The, my, the iniquity of my soul still lies before Him. But by faith in Jesus Christ, one drop of the blood of Jesus. Woo! Oh, Hallelujah! One drop of the blood of Jesus Christ, and it changes everything. As Rahab, she said, it, it, it reversed the curse. Huh? He got it. He, he, he got her. When she, when she said, your God will be my God, he got it. Boom. Curse reversed. When all of the, the, the problems, all of the challenges, all of the difficulties, all of the generational curses, all of the problems you've had, mama, daddy, grandmama, granddaddy, sister them, brother them, a cousin them, all of those are broken in one instant. When I choose Jesus, when I put my faith in him, I got to get that. I, mean, I got to understand that it's all broken. The curse has been reversed. I've been made useful for the master. The, the stain of sin is gone from my life. And here it is. It, I'm grounded in his holiness. Mm. I'm grounded. I'm, I'm rooted in, in the holiness of God. I become the righteousness of God. I understand I'm not perfect. I understand I still make mistakes. I understand that I got some issues I'm still working on. But when God looks at me, and, here was, and here, here's the piece you got to get, when the devil looks at me, he sees the holiness of God. He sees the power of God. He sees the authority of God. He sees the, the usefulness of God. Huh? David and Solomon and Judah, God sees you rooted in his holiness. We must be reminded that no matter, this is what God is saying to us in this, 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 this genealogy mess up, if you will. But God is saying to you and I that no matter what your background, no matter what our background is, don't care who your daddy was, who your granddaddy was, who your great-granddaddy was. Don't care how many people in your family are in jail now. Don't care how, how many children have been had. Oh, God, Jesus. How many children have been had in your family out of wedlock? How many drug addicts? How many prostitutes? How, how many people who just don't have a job? How many people that don't go? It, it doesn't matter what your background is. The truth of the matter is that Jesus loves us. Mm. That Jesus loves us. That the maker of it all loves us. 
the one that allows you to breathe that breath that you just breathed, that he loves us. The, the, the one that, 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 that causes one to go up and one to go down, he loves us. The one that orchestrates it all, he loves us. Oh, just say it out loud. Jesus loves me. Jesus loves me. Jesus lo Not he loves us. He loves me. Jesus loves me. He's concerned about me. He's looking out for me. He's trying to protect me. He wants to bless me no matter what your background is. Jesus loves us. He loves us so much that he died on the cross for us. Woo. Oh, my God. And even now, in the name of Jesus Christ, you got to get this. Jesus is pursuing. Jesus is pursuing us. Pursuing us that we might be holy. Pursuing us that we might walk in his grace. Pursuing us that the light of Jesus Christ might shine in us and through us and out to us. Pursuing us that he might bless us. Pursuing us that he might encourage us. And pursuing us that he might expand our ability to have impact for him. He is pursuing you and me that we might walk in the fullness of his plan for us. He, we must be reminded that he wants us in his genealogy. Prostitute, he wants you in his genealogy. Whoremonger, he wants you in his genealogy. Womanizer, he wants you in his genealogy. Bad dad, he wants you in his genealogy. Adulterer, fornicator, liar, prideful spirit, rebellious spirit, gossiping spirit, he wants you in his genealogy. I, I, don't, I don't care who you are. He loves you. He's pursuing you, and he wants you in his genealogy. There's a story about D.L. Moody. Whether you know it or not, D.L. Moody was uh, one of the uh, greatest and most renowned American uh, preachers in the mid-1800s. And D.L. Moody was, uh, went to England once, and he had the opportunity to meet a very young preacher whose name was Henry Morehouse. And just talking to, 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 to Morehouse, Morehouse had said he wanted to come to the United States, and uh, D.L. Moody, just out of being polite, said, well, man, hey, you know, get, get to the States, get to the States, let me know, look me up, and uh, when you come, uh, we'll let you preach at the church. And so sure enough, not too, too, too much longer, D.L. Moody got a telegram from Morehouse saying, I'm, I'm, coming to, I'm, com I'm in America, and I'm coming to, to your church. But unfortunately, Moody was not going to be able to be there, so he says to his wife, he says, let Morehouse preach one time, and if he's any good, let him preach again, and then I'll be back. And so he was gone for about a week. D.L. Moody was gone for about a week, and when he came back home, he went to his wife and says, "How? What kind of a preacher is Morehouse? How, how good of a job did he do?" And his wife said, "He's much better than you." <laughs> Moody says, "What are you talking about?" He says, "He's much better than you because." He tells people that God loves sinners. And Moody snapped back and says, God doesn't love sinners. God hates sinners. His wife said, well, you can tell that to Morehouse tonight because he's preaching again tonight for the sixth time in a row. So Moody devises a plan, and what he says, I'm going to go to the church tonight. And um, what I'm going to do is after the sermon, I'm going to tell uh, Morehouse that he's got to leave, that time is up, and I'm, I'm, back, I'm back in the pulpit. But one, a very strange thing happened, and God has a way of doing strange things. And, and that is that by the end of the sermon, Moody's heart had changed. 
And it said, he said that it was, for, it was the very first time that he really understood the love of God. He said by the end of the sermon that the great power, this great, this great and powerful preacher, this great famous man of God, D.L. Moody, he found himself at his own altar with tear-filled eyes, coming to know for the first time the, a better understanding, the full rim of Jesus and his love for the very first time. The reason that Jesus wants Matthew to start Matthew with his genealogy and the reason that the genealogy is so messed up because Jesus wants everyone to read the New Testament and understand you're included. You're included. You're included. It doesn't matter the color of your skin. You're included. It doesn't matter how much money you make. You're included. It doesn't matter what you did. You're included. And here it is. That's why the church of Jesus Christ has got to have that same spirit. It can't be a black church. It can't be a white church. It can't be a Hispanic church. It's got to be a church that says you're included. John, John the most, the most, uh, most well-known scripture in the world, John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, and whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. For God so loved all the Christian folk, all the Jewish folk, all the folk he knew that was going to become disciples of him. He said, I loved it all. I loved you all. I loved you all. You were all included. When I died on the cross, when they, when, when they, when they beat me like a dog, when Isaiah said in the name of Jesus Christ that when they were done with him, you could hardly recognize him as a human being. I did that willfully. I did it intentionally in the name of Jesus Christ. I did it for all. But here's the news that God does love sinners. But here's another, here's another story. Ephesians 5.27 says, to present her to himself, talking about the church, to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain, ah, without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. God loves sinners because God loves everybody. But understand this, if I am a sinner, while God loves me, when he gets a hold of me, he will not leave me the same. Huh? He will not leave me the same. His love will change me. That's good news today. That's good news today. Don't let the devil tell you because you did this or you did that, you messed up here, you messed up that, somehow you're disqualified from the love of God and the favor of God operating in your life. Yes, I should repent. Yes, as a, as a child of God, I should repent. As, as everybody, when we sin, we should repent. We should, we should develop our relationship with, with Christ and through, through relationship and fellowship. But understand this. God still loves you. Hello, this is Pastor Tony Collins. I'm the senior pastor of the House of Worship in Oak Ridge, Tennessee. And I want to tell you a story um, a few years ago, about eight or nine years ago, actually, um, we helped plant a church 
uh, in Mexico in the Playa del Carmen area. And while we were down there, we were confronted, if you will, by the, um, the truth, the reality uh, of homeless children. Just, just a few points of fact, if you will, in regards to uh, street children, to homeless children um, in this area. First of all, uh, these children are at a higher risk of danger uh, than, than anyone else. They go through uh, severe hunger, they go through depression, and in many cases, uh, most cases I would say, that the food that they have is waste food, which is a bad source of nutrition, which leads to malnutrition, and, and sometimes it can even lead to death. These are children that are on the street that are dealing with all the issues that are on the street. They're dealing with criminals, they're dealing with violence, they're dealing with, uh, with, with drugs. And so our, our desire, our call, if you will, uh, for this community is uh, to build a home for the homeless, to build a home for, for homeless children. And, and there, is, there is no home. There is no home for homeless children um, in, in, in this area. And so really what we need now is we need the resources. We need the funds to be able to do that. And we're estimating that um, it's going to cost about $250,000 to buy the property and to build um, this, this facility. And so if, if you won't give, who's going to give? If you won't help us, who's going to help us? Whatever it is that you give, that God tells you to give, I pray in the name of Jesus Christ, by his power and his authority, that a hundred times what you give will come back to you. So thank you in advance for your gift. We praise God for you, and we praise God for the vision. We praise God for the mission that he's given us to be able to touch the lives in Mexico of the lives of homeless children. Uh, bless you. Praise God for you, and we give him all the glory in advance. Amen. What amazing words of encouragement that Jesus Christ wants me to be part of his family. That's amazing. And so we want to encourage you to do exactly that tonight. If you've never asked Christ to come into your life, you've never asked him to be Lord over your life, we want to encourage you to do that tonight. It's as easy as saying a short prayer and saying, Lord Jesus, I'm asking you right now to come into my heart. I surrender my heart. I surrender my life to you. Please, Lord, be Lord of my life. It's the best decision that you're ever going to make, and I promise you the results of it are going to be incredible. It's going to change your destiny, and it's going to change your eternity. It's going to be great for the, the by and by, but it's practical, and it's great for you right now. If you've made that decision tonight, won't you call us and let us know that in the name of Jesus Christ? We want to pray for you. We want to pray with you in Jesus' name. Additionally, I really want to reach out to all of you as our um, television family and encourage you to partner with us in regards to building a home for homeless children in Mexico. We recently went on a mission trip down there uh, to 12 churches that we've helped plant down there. An incredible time in the Lord, and they need our help. Their children um, that are on the street, their children that no one is listening to, the, the, the children are crying and nobody's listening, but God is listening, and he encouraging us and encouraging you to partner with us uh, to build this, uh, this, um, this orphanage, this, this home for the homeless. And so um, please go to our website, uh, www.thehouseofworship.com. You'll see information about Mexico trip. You'll see information about the, the, the home we're, we're building, and it'll give you an opportunity to partner with us. Uh, and any amount is, is not insignificant. So we thank you in advance for hearing God's voice and responding to this, this significant need in Christ's name. Let me pray for you right 
right now before, before we leave. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we thank you for uh, those that are watching tonight, Lord God. And we simply ask you, Lord God, to touch down in their lives, touch down in their situations, Father. Touch down in their circumstances in a way that only you can. We ask you, Lord, to remind them that you are still the Lord God, meaning that you are still in charge, you're still in control, that you are still the one, Lord, that, that, that's making things happen. If you don't, Father, then it won't, Lord, and that they would appeal to you, Father, and they would obey and listen to your voice, Lord God. Touch them, bless them, heal them, hold them, keep them, Father, as only you can for your glory and for their benefit, we pray. Well, thank you again for allowing us to be in your home tonight. We'll see you next week, same time, same place. And remember, we walk by faith and not by sight. Have a blessed evening. Bye-bye.